Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed. You can catch us online at sknr.net. We also appear in 12 newspapers in the Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com network of papers. That's print and online. Just look up keyword skewed and you can see our video games. We have our quarterly magazine, Skewed and Reviewed the Magazine. And, of course, I appear on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KSWFM each week and we talk everything from movies games television pop culture hardware entertainment travel and more and uh, michael is still taking care of uh, his family uh, obligations he said he should be able to, uh, to rejoin us next week so we'll look forward to that as we recap some of the ces activities but i'm joined with justin and joseph and we've got some great stuff for you from the world of Warner Brothers uh, in terms of their upcoming movies. We're going to talk about Marvel, maybe a little bit of Star Wars, uh, CES, and some game stuff. So starting off, let's talk about Godzilla vs. Kong. This is a movie that Justin has been very excited over. And Justin, we've had a tiny bit of news recently. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, Godzilla vs. Kong is following the... Um, King of the Monsters, which, you know, I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. I, you know, as a Godzilla fan, I, I grew up on Godzilla movies, so it was very much like a fan service movie for someone like me. But uh, Godzilla vs. Kong is kind of the next uh, sequel in that uh, MonsterVerse um, that's kind of in, in production by Legendary Studios. Um, so, obviously, uh, COVID has sort of upended a lot of um, the film industry and it's reshuffled the uh, movie release dates quite a bit. Godzilla vs. Kong was part of that whole deal that went down with HBO Max where HBO, um, I believe, uh, <clears throat> entered a agreement with Warner Brothers to release all of their theatrical movies through HBO. This obviously... Um, created some controversy with the production studios and a lot of the people who worked on these films um, because the financials are, you know, a little less uh, for sure. Um, and I guess the recent news is that uh, the movies will still be releasing in theaters on May 21st, but it will also be released in uh, on, on HBO Max as well. Um, there's no real details as to what agreement they, um, they came to, but my guess is, um, that there's some sort of, uh, financial settlement behind the scenes, um, to sort of, um, offset the cost for Legendary Studios because of the loss of revenue at, at the, uh, at the box office there. Um, obviously, you know, this is, COVID's still going on and, by all accounts, it's probably still going to be going on in May. So this is probably the best case scenario for all of the, uh, the parties involved. So hopefully, uh, you know, it's not delayed again and it's actually coming out and we'll be able to see it in theaters. Yeah. And, uh, Joseph, what is your take on this? You know, I honestly think that, to me, I know it's all about money for these people, but it's like, what happened to the artwork of it? Like, I'd rather have, if I was in some of these positions, I'd rather have it out there and as at least bringing something in than it never release at all. 
or take a year and a half when people's interests have lost in it because technologies have exceeded beyond what was capable at the time of filming. Yeah, and it's going to be very interesting because it kind of swings into the bigger deal. This kind of shows that it appears this decision was made. And by this decision, I mean putting the movies to HBO Max in the 31-day window and simultaneous release was done without proper thought and consultation. It was almost as if they figured, let's go ahead and do it and we'll just deal with the fallout at a later basis. But, I mean, you had Legendary, who co-financed the film, as well as Dune, who very clearly said, no, we're not thrilled about this, we were not consulted, and we are going to look at litigation. And then you had, which leads us to our second topic, is that you had large amounts of uh, staff members who are saying, you know what, this has affected our pay. And for those of you who are not familiar with it, it is very common uh, for a major theatrical release for talent, not just the directors, not just producers, but writers, uh, potentially people on the crew, as well as actors, actresses, and so on, to cut deals where they agree to a certain amount of money. In many cases, they take a lower than uh, their rate fee. That is what their established rate for films are. And in return, they take a share of the profit. And the idea behind that is you take less guaranteed money, but if the film is a hit, you can profit on a gigantic level. I mean, to give you an example, uh, look at a film like Passion of the Christ. This was a film that Mel Gibson basically self-financed. And when it became a massive, massive hit, he ended up taking huge amounts of profit back because essentially he was not just the director, he was the producer of this film. And, you know, I've heard stories that his uh, return was well in the hundreds of millions of dollars based on the revenue it generated. And so one of the problems that you have is that when you bypass a theatrical release, or in some cases, as we've seen right now with the pandemic, when you put a film like Tenet out in the theaters where it is going to be extremely difficult for us to for it to hit the numbers that were stipulated in the contract, it essentially invalidates any chance for people to recoup their bonuses. And this has become a real tense situation because it's a case of the studios say we invested all this money, we have to make some kind of return, but at the same time, the artists have been saying, well, you're right, but if you hold on to it for a little longer, we can get it, or let's rework the deal so maybe it doesn't need to make this much and this uh, at this level we get our payment. And that appears to be what's happening uh, at Warner Brothers because yeah. the word is a significant chunk of the HBO Max subscription fees are going to be kicked back to uh, take care of the deals. Um, you know, there were reports that uh, one of the things they're going to do is that they're going to lower the payout threshold. So, for example, if it said a film's got to make, uh, let's say, $400 million before these bonuses start kicking in, maybe that's lowered to $200 million. And um, 
you know, so on and so forth. It says essentially the deal would half the amount of box office sales that a film would need to hit before the partners start earning their bonus. And it will take into account theater closures. And if cinemas remain shut, things will become even lower. So I know, Joseph, you had a few thoughts on this. Why don't you start off? What do you think? Sorry, Gareth, can you come back to me real quick? Oh, sorry. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Justin, what, what's your take? Do you want to have a talk on that? Because uh, just to give you folks an idea, we're looking at Dune, The Matrix 4, Godzilla vs. Kong, Conjuring 3, Space Jam sequel, and the musical In the Heights. These are all the ones that are being circled right now, but you can bet other studios may consider looking at this example. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think this is a, basically a, a case where um, it's trying to choose the best of uh, just a number of bad um, scenarios where there's really no victory scenario here for, for all of the parties. Um, COVID is just that big of a um, disruptor in, in this industry and really pretty much most all industries. Um that there really isn't a a best case there it really isn't like a a good scenario where everybody gets out um gets out okay you know um even if they just stuck to the theatrical releases there's all sorts of problems with that um i think you know joseph pointed out earlier um a lot of these movies could get just surpassed by uh, you know, if they sit on them too long, they could just get surpassed by movies that look better, that have that generate more interest. You know, uh, if they sit on them too long, the other problem is um, you start to have a, a glut in in this in the scheduling where you know they they they're producing movies uh, all the time, and you know, uh, like for example, Marvel usually releases about uh, three movies a year, um, and they're probably going to try to do that this year as well. Uh, one of those movies is one that's been done for a while, Black Widow. Um, you know, if if they sit down on them too long, you're looking at like six six movies. You know, you know what I mean. Where it's like, uh, and that's not just Marvel. I mean, all these different studios. If they have like this large amount of movies, you get these crowd very crowded weekends where. Uh, when theaters go back to normal and people are able to go back, um, you have all these movies competing against other studios' movies. It's just not great for anybody uh, in that scenario, not to mention the fact that we, we've brought up before that even when things go back to normal and people, most people are vaccinated and COVID is mostly gone, uh, there's still going to probably be a carryover of people who are uh, reluctant to go back, um, You know, even if it's you know proven to be safe, you know, there are just a lot of people that um, this is just a, a part of the subconscious that, um, you know, people are just going to be more cautious going forward because they just don't know. Um, so there, then there's that. So so basically, um, they don't have even if they stuck to just just releasing things in theaters, that's really not a win scenario for everybody, because, again, the, the production companies also um they have a say in this and they're trying to recruit their own cost. So this is, this is them trying to recoup <clears throat> their deal with HBO max and streaming services. They're trying to recoup some of their own cost. And, uh, it sucks for the, the, the studios that actually made them, made the films because they're really 
losing out quite a bit on um on some of the revenue that that they would have gotten in the theater system hopefully they can come to some types of financial agreements where um it, it's able to mitigate some of that but i even then like i don't think anybody comes out of this um you know perfectly fine and and great but i do think that uh this will probably prove to be the best of a bad scenario of you know a series of bad scenarios and i think it will probably will be replicated by a lot of different studios and uh production companies very true and it you know it comes down to a, a matter of i guess impatience is a good way of looking at it you have a scenario and i have mentioned this and it, it it's funny in a way if it wasn't so tragic it would be somewhat funny i remember sitting in a the press screening for the hunt and it was an early afternoon screening no general public so you've been at things like that you know it's maybe 25 30 40 people tops and before the movie started someone just as the light started to dim someone a couple rows up started to cough and you could hear a pin drop in that place. So the following Sunday, so we're talking less than a week later, they shut down things. And we were told it was only going to be for two to three weeks till everything gets back under control. And as you, as we all know, here we are 10 months later and it's worse off than ever. So all last year we talked about, oh, could this event happen? Could this happen oh yeah it's going to happen just at a later date and i think what we're seeing now are the studios saying we've invested a lot of money um the theaters invested a lot of money they have a lot to lose and then you have the actors actors actresses directors producers yes they are starting to resume filming on television shows and that sort of thing yes movies have started to film but you're seeing people who essentially are in a situation like a lot of people where they're not able to go out and work or work as freely as they were in the past because the opportunities are no longer there and so they're sitting here going you know i had this movie that was due out last summer and this was supposed to, A, get me all sorts of residuals coming back from it, and B, was supposed to open up all this other work for me, potentially including a sequel. This isn't happening, so I'm in a holding pattern. And you're kind of starting to, see, not kind of starting, you're seeing the desperation where people are saying, we're almost a year later, we cannot keep holding anymore, we have to keep going forward. and they're just literally making decisions saying we're going ahead and we're just going to see where this all goes and it's sad because you know you keep coming back to warner brothers and i don't mean to vilify them in any way shape or form they were the ones that dropped tenet and convinced that would jumpstart people coming back to the theaters it didn't universal studios decided okay we're going to start dropping stuff on streaming and they got absolutely roasted by theater chains. And that was much, much earlier in it. And now you're kind of in this very difficult situation where 
you're basically saying they are from a business standpoint how much longer are we expected to wait until we start taking proactive measures and you're having the various people saying look um, we need some money you know we understand that everyone's in this situation but I'm sure they would try to say well we're not eligible for PUA or whatever the situation is I don't know if they would be or not but you're seeing people just literally fed up and getting desperate and now you're starting to see people taking the mentality of wait a second if you're finding a way to put my work out and profit from it I need to get a slice of the pie because this is not the deal that I had originally agreed to and if you are adjusting it for the current world situation then our agreement needs to adjust as well and I think uh you know, it, it's a tricky thing because I think most people are, are, the most of the studios are looking at, well, maybe, maybe mid to late summer, we could start seeing crowds start coming back again, depending on what the vaccine levels are at and what the case numbers are at. And it's, it is definitely a scary thing. Now, uh, Joseph, do you have something or you wanted to add on that before we moved on or were you good? No, I think you guys kind of hit on a lot of points that I was thinking about. Um, one of the things that, like, I didn't really think about, like I mentioned earlier, like, technology is catching up. You know, things uh, this time I might, like, when they come out, they might be advanced. But something that touched on that I didn't even think about was the fact that the oversaturations of films that are going to hit the theaters at the same time is way too much for people to catch up with. So the question becomes is, was this release smart in the fact that they end up coming out more ahead than they would if they released only in theaters when all this cleared up we'll never know yeah and it it's it's scary because we had talked about the glut of films because you had essentially all the 2020 releases that didn't make it and then you had the ones that were ready for 2021 and what we're kind of seeing is that some studios are going full ahead with what they expect to be their 2022 releases because their anticipation is by that time we should see the theaters up and rolling again. But then others are holding back saying, Here, prime example, I, I was stunned about this. Let's talk about the Dune movie. We all know that the upcoming movie that was due out in December of 2020, which is now pushed through to December of 2021, is only the first half of the book. It was widely known that it was going to cover two films, first half of the book, second half of the book. Well, I found out the other day that apparently there is nothing firm set on doing the second half of the, the book yet. And this is a prime example that had the um, had the movie come out in December like it was planned, had it done any kind of business like it was expected, you could bet that part two would probably be well into production and off you go. And now we're going to get this situation where I, I would hate to see it, but can you imagine if they put this movie out? And because of the world situation, it doesn't hit the numbers. And they say, we're going to call it good. So they went through this elaborate production to reboot Dune as a theatrical franchise and only do half the book. I, I can mean, totally see that happening. I mean, that's yeah. just... That's where we're heading. I mean, it's what they uh, in, <laughs> it's what they did with the Dark Tower series. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, he, granted, that was a, a pile, but like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where they basically said, oh, you know what? Let's F the whole books and jump ahead and do like, you know, one potential ending. And they assumed that everybody had read all the books. <laughs> and then they well, do a and, and their whole thing was it was an it wasn't supposed to follow the books. It was another turn in the cycle. And if you read the books, you know what that's about. Uh-huh. But to me, they tried to combine like three or four books into one movie, and that was like that was their downfall. Yep. And you just uh. so let's talk something positive, folks. We've got Marvel coming up. And uh, they were definitely a, a victim of the pandemic, uh, like all the studios, but more so in terms of they had three films that were ready to come out. So Marvel is discussing their long-term plans, and they're saying that essentially Phase 4 is still going to go ahead as it uh, was intended, just at a later date. So right now, what we're looking at is this Coming Friday, January 15th, WandaVision will kick off with a double episode. Falcon and the Winter Soldier will come on March 19th. Sometime in May, we'll get Loki, which surprisingly has been announced as having a second season, so it won't be just a limited run series. Uh, Marvel's What If is due in July, and either the Miss Marvel and potentially She-Hulk series could arrive before the end of the year. Combine that with the fact that as we currently sit... Black Widow is set to uh, appear in theaters on May 7th. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings on July 9th. The Eternals on November 5th. And the new Spider-Man film on December 17th with potentially uh, Mobius or Venom 2, also, or Carnage, uh, making its way out this summer. What do you think, Joseph? You know... (laughs) WandaVision kind of snuck up on me. I totally forgot that that was this week. Uh, I'm excited. Like, <clears throat> granted, I think we'd be getting a lot more and a lot sooner with the, the pandemic. But right now, really, any new content, I think, is going to be welcome for a lot of people. And especially if The Mandalorian is any indication of the quality that's going to go into these shows. And especially coming from the quality that we've seen in the movies even treating like unknown entities i say unknown i I mean mainstream unknown entities like guardians of the galaxy the way they did this is just i'm i'm looking forward to some good premium content justin your take please yeah no i think uh um i'm pretty excited to see where everything goes because um i've mentioned before you know the uh with Endgame, uh, that, that was sort of just like a natural um, conclusion to everything that had been done for the entire MCU up up to that point. I mean, there, you can kind of consider it one pretty much giant story arc um, that was building to that point. So uh, we're kind of starting fresh and new uh, going forward into into kind of new territory, kind of building to a no- new story arc. And, you know, if there was one tiny silver lining to the pandemic is, um, you know, by end game, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I mean, I, I like all the Marvel movies. I think they're all very well made, but I think by the time I saw end game, I was like kind of ready for a bit of a break. Um, yeah, it was so intense. Yeah. But, and you know, part of it too, is just, there's so many every year. Um, 
that it, even even great things it's like uh the the um the analogy i use is like if you eat steak for for dinner every night i mean i i, I love a good steak but <laughs> doing it every night uh eventually you're just like i need a, i need a break for for just a little bit um, yeah and i think now that you know there's been kind of a a period without any Marvel movies following Endgame, and I think if there, if there was a movie to have a break after Endgame is is the is the perfect one. I know that there was a Spider Man movie well, that came out after, um, and I think Spider Man was actually a good follow up, like kind of palate cleanser because it brought you back down to a little bit more simple terms. Mm-hmm, absolutely, um, and I think that it was a good movie to end off on before all of this came down. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think that movie, uh, kind of like more grounded, like lighthearted nature kind of was, yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly what you said about a good palate cleanser. And then, you know, it's been quite some time since, since a Marvel movie. So now I'm actually kind of excited to see what, what's next. And, and, um, uh, I really kind of want to, uh, kind of get back into it. So, that's that's really kind of where I stand with this. Uh, I know that some of the uh, the scheduling, um, I, I could see some of this being delayed again. But oh yeah, um, at the end of the day, though, um, the one thing that Disney has going for them is that they have a streaming service where they can kind of um, diversify, I guess, their their releases. So that at least if, if some of the theatrical movies end up getting delayed again, at least they have Disney Plus content. Um, you know, with WandaVision coming out this, this week, that's, that's definitely a for sure thing. So, um, at least they can kind of get people back into the, into the universe here pretty shortly. I'll tell you, and I get weird looks every time I say this. One of the ones that I'm really looking forward to is the what if series, because it's bringing a lot of the lesser known comic series, like these alternate realities to life and giving us alternate views of what we've already seen. I think that's going to be kind of fun to see. You know, taking that a, a step further, let's get our good Canadian superhero team, Alpha Flight, into the Marvel Universe <laughs> sooner rather than later. Because I remember, I you know, at the, at the time I was overseas and we did not get comics on a regular basis. And if we did, I was in a Middle Eastern country. You know, it was not uncommon for the black marker to cover in the cleavage and the exposed skin on the female characters. Uh, you know, so every now and then we'd get them, but they weren't sequential. It was kind of like whatever you could get, you jumped on because they would come into the base grocery, the not the base, but the campus grocery store. And, you know, it was like, oh, here's a Spider-Man and here's this. And I don't normally read this, but hey, it's a new comic. I'm going to get it. And I remember uh, a Marvel's What If came. And I knew of it, but I hadn't read it. And I, I remember I, that thing was like gold. And it was, you know, classics like uh, what if Cyclops' beams came out his ears rather than his eyes? What if Aunt May was secretly Ant-Man? And I remember they had this one, uh, it was like, what if Ghost Rider had to uh, essentially was on skates versus a, a motorcycle? And then they had this classic one. It was what if the Alpha Flight talked like TV Canadians? And they were standing, they were sitting on the couch like Bob and Doug McKenzie. I was just about to say. <laughs> and, and they had toques on and everything. And I was like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. And so when I heard that they were doing this as a series, I, th- I thought, this is great, you know, provided they are not afraid to make, you know, have some fun. Yeah. And it's so odd. You look at it and go, ever since 
all the way back to 2008, we had Marvel Cinematic Universe films on a regular basis. You know, two films in 2008, one film in 2010, a couple in 2011. But the point is, you had films on a regular basis. And mm -hmm. then we had absolutely nothing. There was no Marvel content last year. So now we sit here and we look at the windows, you know, Black Widow, May 7th. I've, I've gone through the dates and all of that. They've got um, potentially three movies going to happen this year. And then, of course, you go, well, let's not forget Spider-Man. That's four. And then there's this one and this one. They're already filming uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, supposedly. The Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the 2022 films, are already sitting, supposedly, in various stages. We've had... Uh, word the other day that Brie Larson said she's begun her training for Captain Marvel 2, uh, which begins in 2022. We have Black Panther in 2022. And then, no dates yet, but announced, you have Blade, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Quantumania, which is uh, supposed to introduce a new villain that could potentially carry us all the way up through the next several phases, and potentially, if they end up doing it, which I think they will at some point, Secret Wars. We have the Fantastic Four, the Marvel version finally coming. And then, let's not forget, in December of, um, uh, what is it, December of 2022, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, followed by Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in 2023. It's going to be interesting to go from nothing at all for a year to essentially, if you've got Disney+, Plus you're going to have plenty of content between that and the movies to carry you forward. And I hope, you know, it'll be interesting. Do you hit a spate of too much for people? Or I think their plan is we're going to have so much diversity. And, and if people are still sheltering in place, they're going to want to see this. So it'll be interesting. Also, should be noted that if the rollout goes as planned next month we should see the arrival of disney star which will be the transition of more adult themed content to the disney service they will have uh, it's supposed to be free in north america they are supposedly going to have a way that you could block it out um, for the children uh, by means of a website but i have already heard that some of the planned content is going to be uh, X-Files, Prison Break, 24, things of that nature, which they acquired with the purchase of Fox. So that will be interesting to have those readily available. I know a lot of people have said, when are we going to start seeing the um, the Touchstone films, uh, you know, Stakeout, another Stakeout, which were on HBO Max, but things of that uh, nature. They had uh, plenty of R-rated films that were released. And there's a debate whether that's going to make it to star or if it's going to show up on Hulu. But that, the R-rated um, Fox content, I know a lot of the Alien films are currently on the HBO Max service. But, you know, things like that, Die Hard, which are on streaming services, will start to transition over. And then all the new content's going to start coming, you know. Uh, very anxious to see when the production will begin on the new Alien TV series. That will be some fantastic stuff. And Joseph, sounded like you had wait. something. Hmm? Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, when did you say that was happening? The Disney Star thing. Rumor is it can start. It can begin as late as next month. 
Uh, I, I want to say, I, I don't hold me firm on the date. I believe I heard December, uh, excuse me, February 26th. You will start to see a rollout of it in North America. So very cool. Yeah, very cool indeed, because uh, it's just going to continue to increase uh, the value. Um, Justin, do you have a comment on that? Because I actually have another Marvel thing I wanted to uh, discuss with everybody, but I would certainly welcome another comment that you had. No, I mean, go ahead. Okay, so as we've discussed, I know we've talked about a lot of, um, uh, what do we call it? We've talked about a lot of negative things associated with um, what's going on at uh, the various entertainment venues and stuff due to this. We've talked in the past about Disneyland uh, being closed still, so on and so forth. Uh, but there were reports this week that um, Disney has apparently said uh, Marvel's Avenger Campus, which was due summer of 2020, is going to open this year. And the, really? specu yeah, the speculation is that uh, I know last year they had said they were kind of aiming for being able to reopen the parks in, in the summer. And so a lot of people think that that's part of the plan is that they will, you know, start to welcome people back and they'll do it with a big splash by saying, oh, by the way, some of your attractions have had some upke upkeep. We know the Indiana Jones attraction was due for some upgrades and stuff like that. Um, you know, obviously here's Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and over in California Adventure, here is, um, uh, what do you call it? Star Tours, uh, excuse me, uh, the, the Marvel's uh, Avengerland, uh, Avenger Academy, Avengers Campus, call it what you will. We've seen some things of it from the Disney D23 Expo that we went to. Um, I was invited to sit in on some showcases for what's coming at the park. I can tell you that they were opening with the Spider-Man adventure. And, guys, this just sounds insane. So you sit inside this pod uh, car that travels around on a track. And the idea is that Peter has invented these spider things that get loose like little robots. Now, you have to help him gather them up. So while this cart goes around the track, apparently you literally just sling your, your wrists out like you had web slingers. And it will shoot virtual... Um, webs out and you can score. So imagine kind of like a, um, I, I, the, probably a bad example, but imagine a virtual shooting gallery on a moving platform, probably much more upscale than Toy Story Midway Madness, where you have to interact with Spider-Man and shoot and capture these spider drones. And of course you have to try to, uh, you know, keep your score up. Now, one of the interesting things is obviously they have Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. They're going to have the Sanctum. They're going to have the shops. They're going to have the restaurants. One of them is a Ant-Man restaurant, which I'm really intrigued by because they said some foods will be significantly larger than you expect and other foods will be significantly smaller. One of the things that I'm really curious about is they have this thing called um, it's at the Avengers headquarters. It was only going to open with the one attraction uh, I'm not counting Guardian as the Galaxy Mission Breakout because that was already open. The plan was one year after they opened, there would be a mega, mega attraction. Think about how much larger Rise of the Resistance was over the original 
attraction at the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Now, guys, just imagine this. This is how they described it to us, is you board a Quinjet. So you're thinking, okay, so this part of it's a flight simulator. Something happens, and this, this is the part where it blows my mind. They said, you will then suit up and take to the skies with the Avengers as they battle a new threat. And so what we were hearing is that it would be literally you go from sitting in a Quinjet to essentially almost like you're flying around in a virtual reality environment, interacting with the Avengers, fighting this great thing. And they said it would be all this state-of-the-art entertainment stuff. This, this kind of scale had never been attempted in an attraction anywhere in the world. And, you know, my, my thought was, Okay, so this was supposed, the park was supposed to open in summer of 2020, this new land. And the new thing was supposed to come summer of 2021. Are they just, nobody's saying anything, but I'm like, is that still the plan to put that out a year later? Or are you going to roll it all out at the same time? So, you know, happy, happy thoughts there that we at least still have that. I know they've been teasing it because somebody said in the shopping areas of California Adventure that are are up, they opened a little walkway slightly and they put a couple of food carts on it. So you can kind of like walk up and go down the pathway a little bit. And then you see the back end of the Avengers campus uh, before you have to walk out the way you came. So either of you guys have any uh, thoughts on that? Only that I wish I still lived in Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have two boys that are roughly at the age to start considering their Disneyland trips, so that's for sure. And, uh, you know, it, it, I, I mean, truthfully, I'm, I'm sitting here like a big kid going, I didn't get to see Star Wars. I know, I mean, it was, you know, we, we were all, oh, we're going to wait till it calms down. We're going to wait until it does this. And, you know, then it was, well, let's swing by and have a look at it before our cruise. And we all know... What happened there? The cruises got canceled. The everything happened. So it it's definitely on my list that the first chance that we can get over and do that, I definitely uh, want to take part in all of that. The final thing I wanted to bring up before we close this week, folks, is that as you know, the Consumer Electronics Show is scheduled to take place. Um, Next week, we've already had a couple of pre-show events. There's a lot of stuff tomorrow, including showcases from some of the big companies. And uh, Sony will have their their thing. And then, of course, when we get to um, Tuesday, Wednesday, and such, we will start to see some, uh, uh, I guess, virtual exhibition, virtual uh, tours and stuff like that. We already have a few things plan so i'm anxious to see uh how this all plays out i mean naturally it was very difficult looking on the facebook timeline and seeing all the photos from our previous years at the show um you know it's it's hard to believe that a year ago where there we were walking around um las vegas i saw pictures from a uh, cirque du soleil event we went to and you know you, you just sit there and it's hard to believe that it was just less than two months later. Well, about two months later, every, well, yeah, this is six to eight weeks later, everything just went kaboom. And, um, so 
hopefully, you know, I, I'm hoping that this show isn't so bad and that hopefully by later summer or the fall, we can start to see some kind of resumption of events. I know Michael is uh, very confident that CinemaCon is going to take place in August because his mentality is that the general public is not going to attend this because they don't. And with the state of the theaters, this is a must in that the cinemas and the exhibitors definitely need their event where they can essentially mutually reassure one another and start promoting business going forward. So hopefully, uh, gentlemen, anything you wanted to mention to wrap up CES, anything you're looking forward to? I know Joseph, you had mentioned a game, uh, that you were looking into. So what do we got? Yeah. So Scott Pilgrim versus the world was a game that kind of like was on everybody's radar and then fell off and it's finally got a release date. It's going to be out on the 14th. But one of the things that I thought was pretty cool is that there's a website called limited run games that they um, put out physical editions of, or copies of games that usually don't come in the physical copy form when Scott Pilgrim is going to be one of those. And they have a couple of different editions uh, of, of the game, like that you can get, like there's the base or they have all the way up through like um, the, scott pilgrim um what do they call it the the game uh the ko edition which comes with like tons of cool stuff it's it's got this like hard shell case that doubles as a stage it comes with drumsticks and and picks and stuff like that and and a, a lot of really cool memorabilia from not only the game but ties back to both the comics and the movie itself and so i thought that was like pretty cool i just wanted to make sure that people knew about this and knew about the website because that's one really cool website they do a lot of stuff like this where they're just put out physical editions but not just the physical editions but they also put out like special editions of these games like what they have with scott pilgrim and they have several different platforms uh they have the classic edition they have just the game itself and just depending on what you want to have come with it um it's it's not always going to be cheap for example the scott pilgrim's 140 dollars for the ko edition but they do have the regular edition for 35 or the the classic edition for 55 which comes with quite a few different things as well and Justin, anything from you? Nope, I think that's just about covers it. All right, folks. Well, that is going to do it for us this week. Next week, we look forward to wrapping up CES with you. We uh, Hopefully, we'll have Michael back in the mix. Until then, be safe, take care, and I will talk to you soon.